This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, we have to always remember faith is personal, faith is not private. Okay? Faith is personal, but faith is not private. It's actually the exact opposite. If, if faith is private, it's not working correctly because Jesus said, as you live your life, you got you got to help people know who I am. Faith is personal, faith is not private. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and I am excited to have a conversation with Pastor Christian today about his recent message from our series, This Is My Story. In this series, Pastor Christian continues to share with us why our faith story really matters and how we can effectively share it with others. Pastor Christian, let's start today with a question specifically about leadership before we jump into the message. Uh, Many of our listeners lead maybe a team at work, they lead at home, they lead in their community, maybe they're leading a small group. I, I would love it if you would just be willing to answer this question to help us develop us as leaders. The question is this, how do we avoid conflict on our teams or with the people we leave, lead? Um, yeah, so, um, so a couple things. Um, one, I'm glad I'm glad you misspoke there, <laughs> I did. Well, because I, you actually you you it, it, the the question um, was written how yes. do you, you know how do we avoid conflict on our teams or with people we leave we, we leave yes. and the reality is if you avoid conflict people are going to leave um, the the answer to that question is you cannot avoid conflict uh, you also said many of our listeners lead Brandon every one of our listeners lead. Um, even if they just lead themselves, every one of our listeners lead. Uh, and our leadership competencies at our church, this falls under two very specific competencies. Um, you know, in leading yourself, you have to learn to deal with conflict, not avoid it, but just in leading yourself. You cannot go through life without conflict unless you go through life without relationships. Yeah. So you're going to go through life. So you have to learn to deal with conflict. And if you're leading others, you have to learn to navigate and resolve conflict. So leading yourself, you have to learn how to deal with conflict. You cannot avoid it. Leading others, you have to learn how to how to navigate and resolve other people's conflict. Um, how, how is the best way to do that? Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 prescribed this way of dealing with conflict. He said, listen, if you have conflict with someone, go to them, just you and them, and talk to them. If that does not work, if that's not satisfactory, bring in a mediator, um, but not not your heavyweight, not their heavyweight, not someone to win, but someone to help um, mediate and negotiate between you. Um, bring in one or two people um, to talk to someone um, if there's conflict. Uh, and then thirdly, if, if that doesn't work, sometimes you just have to end a relationship or you just have to separate on teams. Uh, that was Jesus' prescription with dealing for dealing with sin in the church. And I think it is absolutely applicable on dealing with personal conflict as well. Jesus said in Matthew 6, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember you have somebody, uh, you, you remember you have conflict with someone, go resolve that conflict. So I think the first step to resolving conflict, not avoiding it, 
but resolving it is talking to the person there's conflict with, with gentleness, with respect, as the Apostle Peter tells us to deal with people anytime there's questions about anything, but specifically spiritually as we try to represent Jesus. Uh, if that doesn't work, uh, bring in someone else, take someone else with you to talk to them uh, about the conflict that is arising. And listen, if it's your fault, like apologize. If it's your fault, apologize immediately and and make amends. Um, and if it's their fault, just continue to talk to them and love them until they can see it. And if they refuse to see it without a conversation with you, if they refuse to see it after a conversation with a couple other people, if they refuse to see it after the leadership of the church has pointed it out specifically for those leading ministry teams, uh, or even if you're leading at business, it, it might be time um, for someone on the team to leave, uh, like, like you ask in in the first place, but you, but you can't avoid it. You have to deal with conflict. You have to try to resolve it. It's the heart of Jesus. Romans 12 says, as long as it depends on you have peace with everyone. So if you can, great, go to them, go to them with a mediator, go to them with a spiritual leader or a leader at work that you both respect. And and then if you can't, sometimes you just have to, you have to walk away for a season uh, or, or maybe permanently um, and, and just pray that, that God will heal hearts as you move forward. Pastor Christian, that's really good encouragement for all of us who are leading um, and, and conflict is something that is an opportunity, actually, if we look at it as an opportunity to get to the heart of a matter or get to the truth of a matter. So thank you, Pastor Christian. Let's talk about your message from Sunday. So powerful, so good. In your teaching, you talk a lot about a disciple named Thomas. Um, he has been given the nickname Doubting Thomas. In fact, that's often how I refer to him as Doubting Thomas. Does the Bible actually actually refer to him as doubting Thomas? Has he has he gotten a bad rap? So he certainly has gotten a bad rap from the church who wants to easily remember him. So they give him a little nickname, doubting Thomas. And he and he did. I mean, he had an episode in his life where he doubted. What I would ask you, if you only remember him as doubting Thomas, is do you want a nickname that that is defined by your worst singular spiritual act of of your lifetime? Yeah, um, no. I'll, yeah, right. I'll t- I'll tell you where I really believe that I realized that Thomas had gotten a bad rap. Uh, several years ago, we had a ministry partner in Chennai, India. Um, this is now called Madras, um, India, which is kind of in southeast India, right on the Bay of Bengal. Uh, and we were there doing ministry in some orphanages and some homes. And our host asked us, before you leave, um, do you want to go up to, to uh, St. Thomas's church on, on Mount St. Thomas? And I didn't know what he was talking about. Um, and I said, I, I don't, I'm not sure what you're even referring to. And he said, well, St. Thomas. And I said, like, like the disciple? Yes. So St. Thomas made it all the way to India in 8050 and led the first Christians in Asia and in India, um, to Jesus. And they started a church on Mount St. Thomas. There's, there's, there's a place where for 2000, nearly 2000 years, people have been worshiping Jesus because of Thomas. And I'm thinking, what like I thought the guy was a failure. Like like I know he wasn't right, but I mean, I never pictured him as someone who would walk on foot, um, you know, right, right on the back of a donkey, take some boats down rivers to India to take the gospel to India. But in India, the person that really planted Christianity in the country of India, uh, one of the most populated countries in the world today, was Thomas. And I thought, man, he has he has gotten a bad rap. And when you study him carefully. When you just do like a just an in-depth 
biblical study on Thomas, the first words Thomas speaks are not doubting. They're dying. Um, Jesus, who has, who's had some conflict with the religious leaders in Jerusalem, has been spending time in Galilee. He knows the next time he shows up in Jerusalem, they're going to kill him. His disciples know that. But his friend is sick. His friend Lazarus is sick. He lives two miles from Jerusalem, and he's got to go see him. And Thomas says what all the disciples are thinking. Um, after they try to talk him out of it, and he says, no, we need to go. Um, God's plan will work out. Thomas said, well, let's go die with him. Um, he, he didn't run away. He didn't hide. Um, he said, let's go. Let's go die with him. He proves how all in he was with his first statement in Scripture. He proves how all in he was with his last act of ministry, planting churches uh, in the country of what is today modern day uh, India. Um, so, yeah, he, d- he does. He does get a little bit of a bad rap. He's he's way more than doubting Thomas. He is that. But he's so much more than that. Well, you used him as a backdrop to share a really powerful message this Sunday, and uh, people throughout our church right now, Pastor Christian, are developing their faith story. They're really taking a, a good look at their past and how God has transformed their life, and they're shaping it into their story. But what I love about this series is that you have helped remind us that our story is not just for us. It's it's actually for others, and, and our stories need to be shared. How should our story uh, more specifically, uh, our lives create this awareness of the person of Jesus and others? So that's a great question. We have to always remember faith is personal. Faith is not private. Okay. Faith is personal, but faith is not private. It's actually the exact opposite. If, if faith is private, it's not working correctly because Jesus said, as you live your life, you got you got to help people know who I am. Faith is personal. Faith is not private. And I think one of the best ways, just very naturally, uh, to help people understand who Jesus is to you is do what John the Baptist did, right? Point one of our message this week was come and see. Um, John John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was hanging out with his friends, um, and Jesus walked by, and he's like, hey, there's Jesus. Um, he's really important spiritually. Like, like that was it. Like, that's it. Yeah. It was, it was such a, it was such a, it was just a natural, Uh Hey, there's like, Jesus was walking by. He's like, Hey, there's Jesus. He's really important spiritually. There's Jesus. He's the lamb of God. They, they would have understood that meant God's going to some, in some way use him as a sacrifice to atone for sin. But it was, it was just an everyday conversation and we have to learn more in life to say, Hey, there's Jesus. Uh, we have to see it in a sunset. Man, look at that sunset. That reminds me how beautiful God's creation is. Um, in a sunrise. Man, did you see how pink the sky was in, on the way to work today? It just reminds me of how beautiful God's creation is. Um, you know, when when you hear about something miraculous happening, happening. Um, man, I, you know, I knew God was still at work in the world. That looks like one of those times we have to conversationally like John the Baptist say, Hey, there go, there goes Jesus. Um, we've got to, when we show up at work on Monday and people say, what did you do this weekend? We've, we've got to say, you know, on, on Friday, I hung out with Mike and, and we watched the basketball game. And, um, on Saturday, I went to my kid's baseball game all day long. And on Sunday, I went to church and spent a few hours. Like, Jesus has to be just a person in the story. He's got to be a person in the room. He's got to be a a real living, breathing relationship that you have. And if you'll treat Jesus like anyone else in your life, a person, and just point him out when he shows up or point him out when you see him or point him out when you've been with him, that will begin to draw people into your story. John said, hey, there's, 
hey, look, there's Jesus. And that that drew people to want to see more of him. It's really good. Sometimes I, I find it that I'm thinking it. I just don't say it. Exactly. And, and anytime you think it, what you're encouraging us to do is anytime we think it, just say it. Just just say it normally and right. naturally and then leave it. Like you don't have to say, hey, there's Jesus. Now, let me tell you 10 reasons the Bible is true. And let me quote my favorite Bible verse. And let me pull out my sermon notes from Sunday. We think if we mention Jesus and don't close the deal, it's our fault that somebody goes to hell or turns their back on Jesus. John didn't give an entire sermon. He just said, hey, there's hey, there's Jesus. And that was enough for people to go to go check it out. Um, so we've we've got to be willing to constantly plant seeds. But no, we are not the one in control of growing the entire crop to the point of fruitfulness. That's a great reminder. Um, you mentioned this Sunday that there is a stage in our story where we are actively following Jesus, but possibly interested enough in other things that keep us distracted spiritually. W- would you take a moment and discuss what this may look like for a person who is at this stage in their story? Yeah, I will. So the, so these stages of ministry, these calls of Jesus, come and see, come and follow, come and die, uh, were actually given to me by Rick Warren. Rick, uh, Pastor Rick Warren pastors a church in California, Saddleback Church. He wrote the best-selling um, nonfiction, like hardback book in the, in the history of books, The Purpose Driven Life. It's never heard of it. Yeah, it's a phenomenal (laughs) 40-day devotional. Before we started the church, we had a chance to go to a church planners conference where they did a special luncheon for pastors under the age of 35 who were getting ready to plant churches. There were just like 20 of us there. So we got to have lunch with Pastor Rick and ask questions. And and I got to ask him, I mean, in the early stages, we had not even started, hey, I'm starting a church next fall. What's the best advice you could give me? And he said, if I was starting a church all over again, um, here's how I would take the first three years of the church to reach the community, to teach the community, to put them on mission. He said Jesus' ministry had three distinct calls. And his first call to uh, to the disciples was come and see. Just come watch. Come see what all this is about. He said my whole first year of ministry would be come and see. What is the community interested in? Invite them to come see what Jesus says about marriage, what Jesus says about parenting, what Jesus says about serving the community, what Jesus says about life. Just invite them to come come and see some will stay year two invite those who stay to come and follow come and follow get deeper with jesus learn who he is become a a devoted follower of his and he said those that make it through year two on year three ask them to come and die ask them to be all in with who god has created them to be and how god has created his church to look so we started our first three years of ministry like that and and what i found is the come and see stage is an easy stage to invite people to. And the come and follow stage is the stage where the vast majority of Christians live. It's a, it's a good stage to be in. It's not a great stage to stay in, right? It's a good stage to be in. It's not a great stage to stay in. Uh, so um, most Christians, the majority of Christians are in the come and follow stage. Um, I, am, I am committed to Jesus. I'm actively following Jesus. He's just not priority number one. Most Christians fall in that stage. Most Christians spend most of their Christian life in that stage. And that is the stage that most people end up walking away from because following Jesus doesn't 
get to a point of be committed to me as much as you can, but don't make me priority. Like you can't follow him all the way unless you're willing to be all in. So when I think about what, what is, what does it look like to the, the hindrances of that stage? What do the distractions of that stage look like? The best person to answer that question is Jesus. He told us in the parable, the sower, when that he plants seeds in people's hearts, some land on the rocky soil, Satan steals it. It never sinks in their soul. Some stand, some, or that's the path. Some falls on the rocky soil, really, really shallow. Some falls among the thorns. We're just the cares of life. Um, making money, going to work, my family, the cares of life choke it out. Um, so the distractions will look different for everyone, but they will all fall under the category of the cares of their life. It could be caring for an aging parent. Um, you know, someone in their young 20s will never deal with that, but that is a care of life that can really distract you spiritually if Jesus is not the priority. It can be a failing marriage. That is a care of life that can distract you if Jesus isn't the priority. It can be your your kids' middle school sports. It can, as a teenager, uh, be the peer pressure in school. This big umbrella of the cares of life, the things that become more important than Jesus. I'm committed to him. As long as there's nothing else going on, you can only actively follow in in that way for so long before Jesus says, I need more of you or this isn't going to work at all. And then it just totally chokes out all your fruitfulness. So it's important for Christians to realize this is a good stage to be in, not a great stage to stay in. And there's a further call on your life spiritually that that sounds like it's for Jesus, but really it's for you. Well, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, you stated that there is one word that summarizes the come and die stage. You've mentioned that already, um, the come and die stage of our Christian life, and it's this word sacrifice. I want to talk about that for just a moment. What have you had to sacrifice to go all in spiritually, Pastor Christian? So it's interesting. When I when I hear that, because of my my ministry around the world on mission trips, I always think nothing. Like I can't, looking backwards, I can't think of anything that I've sacrificed. But in the moment, um, as a teenager, I remember sacrificing uh, girlfriends. Girls wouldn't date me because I, I wouldn't party with them. Um, you know, and, and I, I was going to remain a virgin until I was married, which I did. I remember looking back now, 15, 16, 17, the pain um, of that, that, that was, that was real. Um, not now. I mean, you look back on it like that's so stupid, but then it was real. I remember, uh, as a junior and senior sitting at home with my mom and dad on the weekends, cause I didn't, I didn't party with my teammates. And here I, I'd been voted to be the captain of the, you know, of, of all the teams that I played on. I, you know, I've always had this leadership bent to me. So they're like, yeah, he's the guy we look to. We just don't want to hang out with him if we're n- not at, if we're not doing sports stuff, cause he doesn't, he doesn't do what we do. So, yeah, I, I sacrificed really, you know, probably having, having girls I could have. I sacrificed a lot of fun with, um, with friends. I sacrificed, um, going to, you know, maybe a bigger college to play sports because I knew God wanted me to go to a Christian college. Um, I sacrificed my last year of eligibility, um, at Liberty university when God called me into ministry. Um, I, you know, I had started as a, as a quarterback for 22 straight games as a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior. Um, 
but I just knew God had called me to ministry. So I asked my coach, will you release me from my last year of eligibility? Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to be in ministry, not play another year of football. And uh, you know, looking back on it, it's like, I would have never, I mean, we, we were not very good. I was not very good. I was always hurt. It's like, it doesn't look like a sacrifice now, but I remember then the, the huge weight of it. I remember when we, when we started our church, Danielle and I had taken nearly 10 years to save for our dream house. And then we had built it from, you know, as a spec house, picked out everything in it. It was beautiful. I remember selling that. Um, I remember selling our cars, so that we could buy used cars, so that so that we could downgrade, so that we could be church planners. I remember uh, moving in, moving into a, uh, a house that was foreclosed on because it was all that we could afford. I remember um, relationships that were strong in our life that were broken when we left one ministry to go be in another one. I mean, looking back on it, it's like I don't know that I could call any of those sacrifices. But going through it, there were things that we that we had to walk away from to walk towards what God was calling us to do and and what we realized in hindsight they were all for us um you know they they gave us way more life than they took away um but i think every stage of of God calling me deeper has has demanded sacrifice it's it's like the door gets smaller we know that the that the road is narrow right we know the gate is narrow but it's like the further you go, the narrow, the narrower it gets, and and the bag of life you carry with you gets smaller and smaller and smaller to to where eventually all you can really fit in is yourself, and it's just like Jesus, all I have is me to give to you. But if you give yourself to me, all I need is you um, given to me, uh, and and I will let you take care of the rest. So looking back, I mean, gosh, I sit here today. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Kansas city. It's going to be 80. Um, you know, I, I petted my dog on the head and walked out of the house and drove over to the church. I'll hit quick trip on the way home and get a diet. I mean, I, I don't seem to have a care in the world where I would feel like I'm sacrificing compared to what I've seen globally. But every time God's called me deeper, there, there's been something that I've had to give up to go deeper. But in hindsight, it's, it's always been for, for my good. Well, let's talk about that. Let's end today with that thought for our good. I like to often say that as a Christian, we should desire to serve others without expecting anything in return. But after hearing your message, uh, I realize that this may only be partially true. When when we're all in for Jesus, when we serve him, it actually serves us. Can you give us an example of how serving Jesus actually serves us? Yeah, so the the best example I can give is anyone who's ever gone on a mission trip, their first mission trip. Um, they really, almost everyone's first mission trip, when they look at themselves in the mirror as they head out the door on that trip, They've packed clothes that they would never wear in America. They've packed some food that they'll never eat in America. Um, they've packed shoes that they'll never, they never wear. You know, they're just, they're going to this cross-cultural experience. They've kind of kissed everyone goodbye and, you know, said their final goodbyes. And they look at themselves in the mirror and they, and they don't see them. They see like Mother Teresa or they see Jesus. They see the Savior of the world going to help people. They really believe they are going to do something for someone else. And then by the time they get on the plane to come home, they realize the people that I served did 10 times more for me than I could ever have done for them. And they had nothing to offer me but the ability to serve them. They couldn't pay me. They couldn't give me a gift. 
They can't come home with me. They can't add any value to my life, but allowing me to serve them served me. And it's that way in giving, give, and it and it gets given back to you. It, it just does. It, it's that way in serving. It's that way in giving a little bit of your time to Jesus. It seems like he multiplies time. If you pray for 10 minutes, it, you don't lose 10 minutes in the day. You seem to gain hours back in some way. It's just, it, it's just in every situation, if you will sacrifice like Jesus asks you to, he's really doing that for you because he wants to serve you in some way in return that the sacrifice will bring to your life. And, and a mission trip is just one, one small way to point that out. And I could tell a hundred other stories, but we don't have time on today's podcast. Pastor Christian, thanks again. Um, I think it's been another powerful podcast in our series. This is our story. And thank you for challenging us to shape and share our story on a daily basis, actually. So we want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, if you would like further assistance in shaping your story so that you can easily share it with others, let me encourage you to visit takethejourney.cc forward slash story. On this webpage, we provide a conversation guide that will help you develop your story so that you can have impact in the lives of others. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.